Hi, this is Mona. And this is Aaliyah. You are listening to A Devil's Tale. Lu was born in 1962 to a loving Chinese family. His dad had a stable job as a factory worker. He had two older sisters, and Lu was the youngest child. Being the only boy and the youngest, he was very loved and pretty much the center of attention in the family. However, even with the supportive family structure, Lu didn't develop a warm personality. He didn't talk much at home and had a rather cold relationship with his parents and his eldest sister. No one in the family could figure out what he was thinking about all day long. The only person he opened his heart to was his other sister, and the two had a very close relationship. Lu was always the top student in his schools. By junior high school, his skills in math and physics were clear, and he was selected to attend a special school. In 1984, 18-year-old Lu began studying physics at Peking University, China's most prestigious university based in Beijing. Studying at China's best institution didn't face Lu at all. His research was top-rated, and because of his academic achievements, he was offered the opportunity to study in the United States, becoming a graduate student at the University of Iowa. I would like to give a little social background before I continue with the story. In the 80s, when China opened its door to the world, one of the top priorities was to make sure the people who are academically talented really got the best education in the world, especially in the science and technology fields. The government created sponsor programs that would be offered to the best of the best in the country to study abroad. So when Lu was offered to study in the U.S., his tuition and expenses were also fully paid by the scholarship programs. As an academic in the 80s, that was the highest honor one could receive. However, Lu's life was not a happy story in the U.S. As a graduate student, Lu was primarily a loner who was perceived by at least one other graduate student to have a psychological problem if challenged and was reported to have had abusive tantrums. He had two roommates who were both Chinese students at Iowa, Ming and Shen. Ming recalls in interviews that Lu never offered to clean the apartment. He and Shen pretty much did all the cleaning. Lu sometimes would also drink their milk or drinks without asking, and he would do it without pouring it into a cup, but drinking straight out of the package. Ew. Do you think there's any like further context to that, or he's just gross? I'm going to get into it for sure, why he's this way. So Ming eventually got really tired of such nasty behaviors. Being 10 years older than Lu, he felt that he has more of a say than Shan would, so he decided to talk to Lu. If anyone is wondering why the age difference matters, so in a lot of Asian cultures, age is sort of an important factor in the social hierarchy. 
So unless someone really did something horrible where all things are out of the window, in most social situations, we tend to respect the elderly and try not to argue or be rude towards them. If they say do this, the younger person in the context would be like, okay, yes, sure. So because Lu was doing all these disgusting things anyway, and Ming is much older, so he kind of felt like I'm gonna talk to you about it almost as like an older brother. Ming was the oldest in the house. He was a doctoral candidate in a different department. Sean and Lu were the same age, and they were both PhD students in the physics department, and they were both studying with the same professor. This is pertinent to the rest of the story. But let's circle back to the roommate issue. Ming decided to have a talk with Lu about his hygiene issues, but Lu was so hostile and basically had a very violent, angry reaction. And Ming was so shocked that he decided to never have this conversation with Lu ever again for personal safety reasons. Lu's troubles didn't just stop there. Two years after he arrived in the United States. Lu showed some signs of being tired of physics. He inquired about switching his major to business, but was unable to do so because he was receiving a stipend from the physics department and was not granted one when he applied to the business department. His request to transfer to electrical and computer engineering was also denied. Apparently, Lu was also unlucky in love. He tried to date women, but often ended up paying for sex rather than having a relationship. His other classmates also commented on how Lu never adjusted to a normal social life in Iowa. Most international students, when they first end up in a new country, they tend to find comfort within their own circles. That's why you see in many universities there are things like the Korean Students Club or French Association. As you adjust to the new society, your social life expands a little bit more into the local communities. However, Lu was not liked by either. He felt superior than most Chinese students studying at Iowa because he was a government-sponsored student. He of course was too weird for the American social circles. There was a famous story about Lu in the astrophysics department. So in the early 90s, due to economic recession in the states, government fundings for higher ed was diminished. So a lot of graduate students in the physics department at Iowa decided to donate some money to the school themselves, sort of like crowdfunding. When Lu was asked, he said yes and wrote a check, but the check was for one cent. Wow! So this story kind of went viral at the school because it showed how selfish and uncaring he can be. However, his roommate Sean, who Lu sees as a competition, was living a completely different life. Shan was described as a kind, loving soul with a very outgoing personality. He was beloved by the Chinese student community and was the club president at one point. Shan was also living up the expectations of what a highly regarded exchange student would act like. His professor said 
He was humble, hardworking, and worked well with others. The physics department at Iowa was proud to have such a researcher being part of their program. Although Lou's research papers and findings are also very respected in the department, it was well known that his dissertation was having some issues with his professors. Lou was infuriated because his dissertation did not receive the prestigious D.C. Spreesterbach Dissertation Prize, which included a monetary award of $2,500 at the time. The Tiananmen Square protests of 1989 led many Chinese students to become eager to stay in the States, and Lu believed that winning the prize would have made it easier for him to get a job and not have to return to China. Normally, Lu would have gotten a postdoctoral researcher position, but there was not enough money to support him. Sean was the one that won the prize that year, and it further angered Lu. Lu also had a very turbulent relationships with these two professors. Professor Gortz and Professor Smith were very respected scientists and researchers in the astrophysics field. Gortz is known to be direct, no BS kind of a person, and Smith, for all indications, was a very supportive professor. Lu studied with both for six years during his PhD, and apparently five out of the six years Lu had a terrible time with both professors. On Friday, November first, nineteen ninety-one, Lu attended a meeting for the theoretical space plasma physics research group in a conference room on the third floor of Van Allen Hall at the university's campus. Lu quietly sat in the back. His presence was not noticed by many, and everyone was just focused on the presentation. A few minutes into the conference, Lu started the shooting. He shot three attendees of the meeting with the thirty-eight caliber revolver, then proceeded to the second floor to shoot the chairman of the department in his office. Those who were shot in Van Allen Hall were Christopher Gortz, professor of physics and astronomy. Lu's dissertation chairperson and one of America's leading theoretical space plasma physicists, Robert Smith, associate professor of physics and astronomy, also on Lu's dissertation committee, Lin Huashan, his roommate and postdoctoral research investigator, and the winner of Spreesterbach Prize, Dwight Nicholson. Chairman of the Physics and Astronomy Department and one of Lu's dissertation committee members. After the shootings at Van Allen Hall, Lu walked three blocks to Jessup Hall to the office of T. Annie Cleary, an associate vice president for academic affairs and grievance officer at the university, and shot her in the head. Lu had filed several grievances about not being nominated for the prize. Lu then shot Mia Rodolfo Sionsen, a 23-year-old student, a temporary employee in the Office of Academic Affairs, for unknown reasons. Mia survived, but was left paralyzed from the neck down and died from inflammatory breast cancer on December 3, 2008. Lu had intended to kill the university's president Hunter Rawlings III, but he was attending the Iowa-Ohio State football game in Columbus, Ohio, at the time. 
Lou was found in room 203 of Jessup Hall with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He died shortly after the police arrived. In the months prior to the shooting, Lou was still living in Iowa City and wrote five letters explaining the reasons for his planned actions. According to the university officials, Four of the five letters were written in English, and one was written in Chinese, intended to be mailed to news organizations. The letters have never been released to the public. Lu clearly planned the attack for many months, purchasing his weapon around the same time he was awarded his doctoral degree. He purchased another gun during the summer and practiced shooting at targets. In the weeks prior to the murder. He emptied his bank account and sent the money to his sister in China, asking her to deposit it as quickly as possible. On the day of the attack, he wrote a letter describing his grievances. He made photocopies of this letter and mailed them to news media in Iowa as well as to the Los Angeles Times and New York Times. A copy of the letter was in his briefcase in a seminar room. Lu insisted that all of the professors had favored Shan and snubbed him. He had complained to Cleary and felt she ignored him. Mia was the only random victim. Lu's assault occurred in the context of an economic recession that had hit universities hard and from which physics graduates were not expected. Lu desperately wanted a job but did not have one. In better times, the university might have kept him on as a teaching or research assistant, but in the recession, there was room for only one, and that was Shan. In 2007, Chinese director Chen Jijian won the Alfred P. Sloan Prize at the Sundance Film Festival for his film *Dark Matter*, which told Lu's story. In 2009, a documentary about survivor Mia was released called *Mia of the Quiet Strength*. I didn't realize *Dark Matter* was about this. So everyone he shot died. Everyone he shot in the presentation room died, and the、um, grievance officer Anne. So the only person that survived was Mia, but she was paralyzed. I didn't really include it in my notes, but I read. That his dissertation had a lot of trouble, back and forth, back and forth. The professors weren't happy with it, and he felt like they were picking on him because they were favoring Sean. So I think he just had a lot of pent up anger towards the professors on his dissertation committee, which he killed like three out of I don't know how many, and Sean. I went online and I was researching Chinese quite a bit because, like I said, he came to the states on such high honors. Then to do such horrific crimes, I think it's a very shocking thing for the Chinese communities because you know, for anyone to get a PhD in physics, especially in astrophysics, that's Not like something that anybody can just say they could do. So then to have someone so highly educated to do something so barbaric, I'm sure there were a lot of articles, and there were. So I was reading up on it, and the general consensus on why he did this is, although he was very smart and intelligent in terms of schoolwork, socially he lacked common sense. 
It's a little bit similar to another case we talked about. That guy who killed his own mom, who was also very highly achieved academically. They are so focused on their academic life that they don't understand that being a well-rounded person also means that you care for other people and you don't blame. Your own problems on others, and feel like all of your life failures are because others didn't deliver what they are supposed to do, you know. And I think he had a little bit of that. Oh, I'm unhappy, and I couldn't get the award not because maybe my work or maybe I'm a very dislikable person. He's like, oh no, those professors are like shady. But you just think like so many people in that field were wiped out in this one incident. Yeah, I do wonder. I was like, would we be further along the way in astrophysics if these people didn't die, including him? I mean, that's why you know emotional intelligence is very important. Exactly. You know, if he saw a therapist or something, just to not look at everything in such a twisted and angry way. I know. I mean, there's just so much more to life and the world and understanding humanity than grades and achievements. Totally. When like this whole Harvey Weinstein thing happened, he also produced so many good movies like The Lord of Rings. Clearly, as an artist, he's fucking great. But as a human being, he's really bad. Part of the conversation was that they were like, "Oh, we have to separate the artistic talents from who they are as people." And I'm like, "Actually, no. To me, who they are as people come first. If the things they're doing wrong in the world is directly correlated and embedded into their work, then I don't see any reason to separate." The artist from the art, when it's further removed and there's more of a collaboration versus just that one artist, I can kind of understand that. Yeah, I think you are more compassionate. I've cut out a lot of good recordings of things or movies or shows because obviously it's just me. Not everyone needs to do this or should do this, but. I feel like we've gotten to this point of where we are because we have valued people's talents too much, oh, way more than who they are as people. I agree with that. Like that concept of artistic genius paired with the lack of compassion. You know, like you watch Whiplash or you watch some of those movies where they're just assholes. And it's it's、uh, validated because they're so amazing, but you can't you can't let that pass. And I don't think it makes them better. And I almost feel like it's also that thing. It's like you're that weird artist who has emotional tantrums that makes you more fitting into the genius type where the rest of the world doesn't understand you. I'm like, no, actually, it just means you're a fucking asshole. Exactly. There are so many artists who I admired their work and very naively didn't see what their work was about because I believed it was something else. What did you think about the story? I felt so sad for the academics. Everyone there is in pursuit of something. To think that he not only he killed all of these people, he also ended his own life before he really started a life. 
we don't know how young or how old our listeners are. And I just want to say, use this as a cautionary tale. If school isn't going well or something isn't going well, life is always longer than the moment that you are having struggles. However difficult it may be, just know that in the long-term perspective, it's really just a brief moment and you'll get through it. I grew up in kind of that very fierce academic environment, although from a young age, I pretty much rejected that. I also think failure or those bumps in the road really help you, especially when you're young, because you learn how to navigate and how to bounce back. And if you don't learn that when you're younger, it's a lot harder to figure that out when you're older. Sometimes these bumps are big and significant and stressful. And that's why there are resources out there in the world where you can reach out to and get help. To all of our listeners, thank you for all of your support so far. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram at A Devil's Tale. Please say hi in the comment section and feel free to DM us. If you have any feedback and story requests, you can email us at adevilstale at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe if you have enjoyed all the stories so far. Thank you so much for tuning in again and we will see you next time.